President Baptiste was my best customer, but I was in no hurry to meet him. He'd gotten a reputation for routinely hacking off the limbs of those who opposed him. His seven-year civil war has been described as a relentless campaign of sadistic, wanton violence. That kind of sums up Andy for me. The Glock is interesting. It's made of a polymer composite. Many of my clients feel they can get through airport security without seeing off a lot of bells and whistles. Personally, I do not recommend that. <laughs> On the other hand, if you are looking for a traditional wheel gun, there is no substitute for the six inches of muzzle energy of the 357 Magnum, and of course, it will never jam. Why'd you do that? What did you say? Well, now you're gonna have to buy it. It's a used gun. How can I sell a used gun? A used gun. A used gun. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, there is no discipline with the youth today. I try to set an example, but it is difficult, eh? Personally, I blame MTV. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How is everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are in cage madness. This is week two. Last week, we talked about the bad. Now we're going to talk about the weird. <laughs> or his well, like, too, I guess. too weird, too weird, one underrated, not yeah, that weird, weird though. I guess weird and underrated because both of these movies, well, except for maybe Mandy, got were kind of flew under the radar. Like, yeah. Uh, but so, so you know, everybody knows what we're talking about. We're going to start off talking about 2005's Lord of War, and we're going to talk about uh, Colorado Space from I think it was two years ago or last year, 2019. 2019, and then uh, then we're going to finish it up talking about Mandy. And um, yeah, so why don't we just get straight into it? And uh, Mike. What do you got? What's your beer? What, what are you drinking? All right. So I'm switching. I felt like I've been doing a lot of the same breweries lately. So I switched it up and I went to Cane Brewing Company, which is in Ocean, New Jersey, which is actually really local to me. And for some reason, I just haven't gone around to doing it. Maybe it's because it only recently, I think, uh, the liquor store I usually go to started carrying it. And uh, so from Ocean, New Jersey, I am doing Sneak Box is the beer. And it's an American Pale Ale, 5.4%. And first sip. Yeah. That's really good. It's a, uh, it has a really nice taste. I don't see this as a beer, like sometimes I'll say I could like drink a lot of it. I'm not, sh it has like kind of a sweeter tone to it. So I'm not sure I'd be drinking heavily about it, but it's a good like sit and relax beer. It's just a regular IPA. Uh, American Pale Ale. Oh, an APA, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Yeah, so I went to another, uh, I went down the shore as well, but this time I went to Cape May Brewing Company, which I don't think I've done for quite a while. Uh, I think I might have just done it. I think Matt Damon might have been the one of the only, I think might have been the only time I've done it. So Re first... I, Recently I did it. Not, yeah, you did it. Yeah, because I had their milkshake IPA. Oh, and I think uh, Ties the Room Together was theirs, too. And I did that one, like, one of our Christmas episodes. Oh, okay. Well, so I went back to Cape May, let's say, and uh, I got Devil's Reach, which is a Belgian-style ale. It's easy drinking with fruity esters, apparently. 
And uh, of course I got that because it's got his big old Kraken or whatever on it. And that looks like uh, some sort of Lovecraftian horror. And uh, of course, you know, Devil's Reach also kind of fits in with Mandy. My God, Cthulhu would have been the perfect beer this week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, too bad I did that one a while ago. But uh, yeah, I passed by a bunch of Bolero snorts on my way to picking that up. And man, they got some weird, there's one that's like golden bulls where it's like golden girls, but they're all bulls. It's fucking creepy. They do a lot of interesting uh, things with their can art and stuff. Yeah. And uh, well, I think one of the things I like about Cape May is that they're uh, back into the 12 ounce can. Mm-hmm. So you can get a six pack of them, just pound them. But this is 8.6%. So I don't know how many of those six I'm going to be pounding. I don't have work tomorrow. So it's uh anybody's guess what i'll be doing with this tonight <laughs> so why don't we get into uh 2005's lord of war it's uh directed by andrew nickel who um has done a couple other things that people may have heard of now they're not good things but they are things in um if you want to just call them movies i guess we will but one of which is the um he's a writer on the truman show but uh yeah, he did that movie In Time with Justin Timberlake, and uh, he also did Gattaca, which are feature-length films. I'll give him that. <laughs> I remember my one time I watched Gattaca was for my freshman year, bi- freshman in high school year, biology class. Yeah, it's I've I've saw it years ago. I don't remember it at all. I mean, but, it's decent. It's nothing too great nothing i too always get it confused with that uh holly berry movie gothica yeah <laughs> so i'm yeah. like wow this movie sucks oh wait it's not the same movie i'm thinking of but it's still not good <laughs> but um yeah and then of course he's a writer on truman show like i said and he's also credited with a story for the terminal you know that uh tom hanks movie where he's just stuck in an airport oh yeah <laughs> so forgot about that <laughs> yeah right i think i think tom's happy you did as well but um but lord of war is probably his best movie because it's pretty cool like it's it's a really it's it's on the time when michael and i were talking about this beforehand it seems it's like right in that it came out right before that other movie uh thank you for smoking with aaron eckhart mm-hmm. and it's got that same like cocky cool dude that works for a really shady thing like does a really shady thing for business but like it's like telling you how cool it is like being like first person narrator like narrator kind of thing and uh yeah this movie's just cool because he's just he's like tony stark before he became iron man and it's he's just cool as shit but he's a gun runner (laughs) and now like this is what you want from a more toned down like this is toned down nicholas cage at one of his best i root and of all the movies this week if you're just looking at your average moviegoer, they would probably really like this one. Absolutely. I mean, it's really accessible. It's 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 got a, it's pretty straightforward. Like all you're doing is watching this guy like come up as a gun runner, and then you know his life kind of starts to sort of fall apart, and shit goes to hell. But he's kind of torn between the job, which is essentially he's got to do until he dies. Basically, you know, it's like yeah. there's really no way to just kind of retire from gun running. <laughs> yeah. But um, he befriends. He makes. You can also see it as like a buddy comedy because he uh, becomes best friends with a lovely, crazy warlord. <laughs> <laughs> now, got to bring up Jared Leto's in it. And <laughs> well, Mike, you probably enjoy this movie because he's a drug addict who gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> His presence does piss me off, but whatever. I do enjoy this movie, so I'll get over it. <laughs> I, I kind of wish, like, he's, he's okay in this movie. He's, he's definitely not... You can... 
it's it's one of those roles where Jared, like those earlier Jared Leto roles, like before he became the weirdo he is nowadays. It's yeah. one of those roles where, like you could tell that he didn't try to live as a gun runner, you know, <laughs> you know, for like six months before he tried to do this do this movie. <laughs> I just wish they made the running gag of him going to rehab a little more of a joke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And then you also have Ethan Hawke as your Interpol agent that's trying to take down Nicolas Cage. I feel like it's it was like watching this. It's kind of like uh, in Wayne's World 2 where Wayne has to stop and get directions to the church. And he's like, and the guy, the one actor is like really shitty. He's like, hold on. I know it's a small part. But we couldn't do any better than this. And then they bring in Charlton Heston to do it. <laughs> I feel like they could have done that with Ethan Hawke in this. It's like, I know this is kind of a smaller supporting role. We couldn't get a better actor for this. <laughs> Just like midway through the first act, just replace him with like I don't know Gerard Butler or somebody, <laughs> just somebody who would make it more like cartoonish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ethan Hawke was a bit down to earth to really like he would have done better if he was way over the top with it. Yeah, he's like taking it real seriously. Like and the, you know what they should have done? They should have brought in Mark Wahlberg and have him basically be dang his <laughs> 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 role from The Departed. <laughs> That would be so great. <laughs> just like just have him deliver the lines. Like, and what would that make us? That would make us cunts, you know? <laughs> just have him acting, just like almost like just no, just keep all the dialogue from the departed and just have him deliver it all in this movie, regardless of context. <laughs> How's your mother? Tired from fucking my father. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would actually be so much better than what he gives us in this. Because Ethan Hawke's just kind of like a frazzled dude who's Nick Cage is always one step ahead of. But it's yeah. like, it's like, why are you taking this so seriously, man? It's clearly a lighthearted, serious movie, you know? Granted, like, one of my favorite speeches in the movie is when Nicolas Cage is like, I'm not going to go to jail. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. Some guy's going to come in, going to outrank you. He's going to tell you, you did a great job, and they'll give you a award or something. And then they're going to let me go. Because the U.S. president is the biggest arms dealer in the world, and sometimes he needs to put that blood on someone else's hands. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 like, the best part of, like, Cage's character. Like, he knows he's a piece of shit. He knows he's an asshole. But, like, he does it so, like, casually. It's it's just, like, and it's really, like, I don't know. I Like I said, thank you for smoking with Aaron Eckhart. Like, Aaron Eckhart's character in that is kind of like Nick Cage's in this. But somehow like just in cage's energy is a little better at for this role like Eckhart's good in his role but cage is just a little better for this because you know he's bordering on something insane and the only real time he does that in this movie is when he kisses gorbachev's wine spot on his head <laughs> while he's watching the television <laughs> yeah the Soviet Union falls and he's kissing Gorbachev's <laughs> forehead on the TV. <laughs> I'm thinking of more Ethan Hawker placements. Now, Pappas from Pappas from uh, Point Break. Get old, get old Busey in there. Yeah, that'd be the best. God, Busey is Pappas. Now, you could go the Keanu route, either the Point Break or the Speed route. Yeah. Um, I feel like you got to go with Johnny Utah in this situation. I feel like he would be a little bit more like, face it, Nick, this is your wake up call. I'm an FBI <laughs> agent, but like, I'm an Interpol agent. <laughs> right. I'll have Nick Cage like deliver that line to him. Be like, I know you're an Interpol agent. <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> 
but of course there is my favorite and like i said it's a bike kind of a buddy comedy between um nick cage and uh this warlord general baptiste um and uh i think it's amon walker is the actor's name i believe you're right he's he's if anybody's a fan of chicago fire apparently he's in like 180 some odd episodes of that but um he, has he does a really, a really good job in this he yeah he's great in this but there is that scene where nick cage is selling him guns the first time and mm-hmm. He's picked up in like this old school Cadillac convertible with like these two women dressed as Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders for some reason. <laughs> and he gets in there and he's like talking like the dude is off the one of his like lackeys off to the side, like hitting on some girl or whatever and distracting him. So he just shoots him in the head. And, and then the kid goes, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And you think like, oh, it's best off because he's getting shot a guy. He's like, no, no, now I can't. Now you have to buy this gun because it's used. <laughs> I can't sell a used gun. <laughs> I can't sell a used gun. And then Walker's reaction is probably just, that's a good one. <laughs> used gun. <laughs> you know? I also love the running gag where he, uh, the warlord just keeps saying th- euphemisms and Nicholas Cage goes, no, it's actually this. And he goes, I like it better my way. <laughs> Yeah, I had I had a couple of those written down. One of which was bloodbath, where he yeah, said like a bath, bath of, of blood. blood. Yeah, and then he calls him Lord of War, <laughs> which he says you mean warlord. And he's like, no, I mean, like, in that case, it's much better. It's like, no, I like it my way better, and it actually yeah. like works better that way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's those only two. He does have like two or three more, I think. And it's- I also one of the scenes that I actually like laughed out loud was they take him back to his hotel and they have two girls in there waiting for him. And he's like, "This is the idea of a joke uh, place where one in four people have AIDS and not a condom in sight with two beautiful women." And they're like, "What can we do to make you happy?" And then the next cut is them outside his room, and he says, "Leave." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's like kind of fighting him with him for a little bit. He's like, no, no. And then he's like, well, what can we do to make every yeah, And he cut the outside and they're gone. But yeah, it's, and he, I think he does it again to him later, dude, doesn't he? Yeah. Like he tries to do it again to him, but we don't actually see that scene uh, take place. But um, yeah, it's, as far as Cage goes in this, it's, like I said, he's just like really casually cool. And there's another, another movie, and we'll talk about a little more next week, I think, because next week we're going to talk about, um, national treasures and then like a bunch of the random movies that mike and i have watched over these last couple weeks yeah we're afraid the national treasure might not last as long as we'd like so that's what we're gonna throw in our etc category movies yeah true but um but yeah like because i watched eight millimeter this week yeah and that's another movie where it's like it's a fucked up movie but cage's character in it is like a cool kind of like smarmy pi kind of thing like he's one of the guys that's like even though he's looking for the makers of the snuff film and he's in like the harder than hardcore pornography world of LA, like he still seems like the coolest guy in the room at any given moment. And it's, you take away all the snuff porn from that movie and you, you put, replace it with guns and ammo. You get this movie, you know, (laughs) it's just kind of like a paint by numbers thing. And except, Oh, you place one Joker for the other because you take, get rid of Leto and you throw in Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) Yeah. And I, last week, I think I undersold how much I enjoyed the Five Night at Freddy's movies because of my hangover. But I'll get into that next week because it was so fun. Is that that's the, that's his newest one, right? Yeah, like Wild Willy Wonderworld or something. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I saw that was like twenty bucks to rent. I was like, oh, I'm like back and forth on it. Like, do I? <laughs> but um, yeah. But then there's like 
just like the little like the there's little touches in this movie that are just really great of course there's the standard uh, uh i'm the luckiest man alive and then the guy gets blown up by a car bomb you know <laughs> but and then in this movie like they're watching like the oj trial and uh i forget who says it i think it's baptiste when he's like when i go to america i will not live in brentwood you know because he thinks oj's like just murdering everybody in brentwood california yeah <laughs> It's like, well, you're kind of not wrong. You know, he did probably fuck that up for everybody. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. But then, of course, there's, and we got to talk about the, the lead um, woman in this who's played by Bridget, uh, Bridget Moynihan as opposed to Michelle Monaghan. And I really do think that they got the wrong Moynihan Monaghan in this one. They definitely should have gotten Michelle. She would have been probably a little bit better in this movie than just supermodel Bridget Moynihan. Yeah, AKA yeah, that's true. Tom Brady's first baby mama, I think. <laughs> yeah, she. Outside of Nicolas Cage and our uh, warlord, the, there's in terms of acting, you don't have too many like standouts. I don't think. No, I mean, like we said, like Ethan Hawke's just kind of there, like doing the standard cop stuff and like exasperated cop thing, and then. Because he thinks he's too cool for school too, and then it, like it turns out the Nick's just one step ahead, you know. But and of course there's Leto, who's fine. It's just he's got to be the drunk, like the drug addict, fuck up brother who kind of pulls his life together, and then Nick just ruins his life at the end, obviously because he gets him killed. yeah. But yeah, other than that, this is it is really just one of those movies that like you can watch it and be like, okay, this is a fun, this is a fun, cool, you know, decent movie. You know, it's. It's not really, you're not going to, when you're listing Nick Cage performances as from craziest or favorite to worst, you're not going to put it anywhere in these lists. Like you're yeah. going to put it like almost firmly in the middle, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it's definitely one of his movies that you're like, yeah, like an average movie goer would enjoy this movie. Yeah. Speaking of which, my brother, I've brought him up before on his, some of his favorite movies. My brother's not a big movie guy, but he does really like this movie. That's yeah, a good one to like, you know? Yeah, it's a good one to like. So, I don't have much more else to say about it. Yeah, I don't have too much to say either. So, why don't we, a quick beer check? How's your beer? Doing good. Uh, Take another sip. uh, As we both take a drink. Yeah, as we both take a drink. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I like the taste of it. Uh, It's not too heavy. So, yeah, can brewing. uh, Sneak box. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, same thing for Devil's Reach, Cape May. It's, um... It's really easy going down, even though it's 8.6. It's very standard Belgian style. Goes down easy. Drinks easy. Oh, wait, did we bring up the Donald Sutherland's in it? He's only a voice in it, though, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, but but his character is like Oliver Southern, you know, instead of Oliver North. You know? Yeah. Like, I get it, movie. I see what you did. <laughs> Good job. But, um, well, that's the other thing we didn't mention, that Nicolas Cage has a son. But... I think he has this son in like the 80s and this movie goes to like 98 or something or like no it goes like till like 2000 maybe but like the kid never ages yeah like he never gets older and it's been like 15 years <laughs> kid should be a goddamn teenager by the end of this movie and he's still five years old <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but i guess it's easier to just be like oh, yeah whatever <laughs> Yeah, they don't even really bother like changing anything about like the time periods. They just flash up a different year at the bottom of the screen when it's yeah. going. 
and like they mentioned OJ and like the fall of the Soviet Union, but other than that, it's not like they're not really beholden to the time periods. Yeah, no, not at all. Because like Nicholas Cage can get like at his age at this point, he could get away with not aging that much in terms right. of the movie. Yeah. But Ethan Hawke stays looking pretty young throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and then that's this is a post. Oh, I'm thinking Stephen Dorff. No, never mind. <laughs> so this is a pre um, Magnificent Seven Ethan Hawke, who is a much older gentleman in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's like it, it's a it's just a fun one. I think it was a, I think it's available on Prime, like on Amazon Prime, if you're gonna watch. I it. actually I just sort of caught it on TV by accident. <laughs> oh, nice. Like TV but, commercials or yeah. Oh yeah. How'd that go? It's fine. Like they didn't notice any like blatant edits or anything. Nah. No, like really. Monday to Friday plane and like monkey fighting snakes kind of thing. Nah, nah. No yippee kaye mother falcons. <laughs> nah, nothing too egregious. Well, there is a movie we're about to talk about. Two movies, at least, definitely that you could not show on commercial television oh, no. and still get the same effect. <laughs> so, why don't we first talk about 2019's uh, Colorado Space, which is. A fairly recent movie by uh, Richard Stanley, and it's based off of an H.P. Lovecraft short story of the same exact name, and it is kind of fucking insane. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely fucking insane, and I really liked it too. Yeah, it was really good, really good. And like, it, it's a, in terms of visuals, like holy shit, this movie is off the walls. Really, this yeah. movie and the next movie and Mandy are both visually absolutely insane. Yeah, they absolutely have their own styles, and it's especially for a movie called Color Out of Space, and the whole thing involves revolves around like a big purplish pink kind of theme. You know, you got to have these bright, vibrant colors. You know. Yeah. But, I, so I guess the reason that uh, that the magenta like purple color was picked for the uh, for the entity in this yeah. is because purple like almost doesn't exist necessarily in nature because red and blue don't actually touch on the color spectrum it's something that the human eyes perceive like have created and perceive because mm-hmm. but um in terms of directing this guy took a pretty long break in directing featured films yeah yeah um but also you know before we get too far away from him we should definitely talk about the uh, the fact that WandaVision, uh, Billy's, uh, Wanda's kid, uh, son Billy is in this movie. <laughs> Plays Nicolas Cage's son. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then of course, you know, there's Jolie Richardson's in it. And uh, oh yeah, this guy was the Do- Island of Dr. Moreau guy. That's who he was. Yeah. Tommy uh, Chong's in it. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about Tommy in this. He's in it for like five minutes, but he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of pivotal to the role, too. To like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's yeah. the stoner that actually kind of knows what's going on for some reason. Well, because he's tapped in, man. Like, he knows what's up. But, yeah, it's essentially this whole movie is just, like, a big, le- like, uh, like PSA, like, after-school special about not drinking water. Like, <laughs> don't much. drink water or else it'll fuck you and your family up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole – so, it's, like, the whole – the end of this movie is sort of similar to the end of like uh, Cabin Fever, where it's like, oh, the water supply is all fucked up, yep. and we're going to ship it all over the world, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then of course, you know, it's got it's got like a lot of like standard horror tropes. There's like, 
there's like the little kid coloring weird shit. There's a cat out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the dog like, goes missing halfway through the movie. Yup. Yeah. And then there's like dog is missing. Then of course there's like, which I didn't see coming. The alpacas. Fuck, the alpaca. Oh my God. The alpacas. <laughs> that fucking like Cronenberg horror. And then like, you know, it's, it's, this, you got to watch the movie society to like, get the reference but like the shunting in that movie is exactly what happens to two characters in this movie <laughs> you know they join together and they're kind of fused together like these like this fucking group of alpacas and it's fucking horrifying <laughs> yeah now i thought when that scene was going on i thought that light reaching out was going to drag them into the alpaca yeah. yep. thing but no apparently it's just a light that fuses things together <laughs> yeah it just fucks you up but um but yeah, you get but then, pretty pink bugs yeah 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 like that like weird like praying mantis kind of bug that was like flying around it like makes their whole lawn like purplish pink and all that <laughs> you know i'm not sure we're doing a good job of ex- we're either doing an amazing job or a terrible job of explaining what this movie is about because like well, the thing is like well in a nutshell what this movie is is that there's this weird entity that kind of like comes out of nowhere really and just starts fucking shit up but in like weird ways it like it like alters personalities and like you know it fuses shit together but it's really that's kind of like what lovecraft did with a lot of his stories yeah if it wasn't involving cthulhu and like the ancient ones asleep in the center of the earth they like his stories just involved crazy shit kind of just happening well they were also so like all the quote-unquote entities in his thing were just that they were entities they were shapeless and yeah. it was like almost like the deadlights in uh in it where it's like oh if you actually look into it you're gonna go insane because your mind can't comprehend it yeah that's kind of like that was lovecraft's whole thing like yeah like if human eyes could not bear to see the mm-hmm. horrors that they were about to see you know and would you get, you get you get the lovecraft tropes in this like the necronomicon shows up yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh which if you didn't know lovecraft is the original person who created the necronomicon mm-hmm. yep. uh and some other like the college uh what's his name go is the, he walks up wearing a college shirt the first time you meet ward yeah, Miskatom, ward. Uh, muscatonic university or something um yeah oh fuck uh, and all right i'm gonna apologize to him now brian i apologize i should know what it is (laughs) (laughs) save your hate hate mail for us (laughs) um uh shit but yeah and uh miskatonic that's what it is yeah miskatonic but um yeah it's 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 kind of like I don't want to say a body snatchers movie, but it's 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 like almost like the thing where like this this creature being or entity or whatever just starts kind of fucking shit up, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't like transform into anybody and it's not like a mystery of which who it is. It's just like crazy shit's kind of happening. It's kind of like that movie um Annihilation. Yeah. Like especially like the kind of like the horror that kind of like the creature horror in that. It's like this thing just kind of appears and starts fucking shit up and then like disappears at the end it's a it's a meteorite is what happens yeah a meteorite and i get struck by like magenta lightning like five to ten times and it's like freak lightning storm it's like yeah. constantly just striking the meteorite but but yeah. i said they give the explanation that it was trying to make its surroundings look more familiar to it so it was trying to like 
yeah. turn the earth into what its home looked like. And we do get a brief look at that home world yeah. at one point. And that's like a big Lovecraft and like Stephen King does that too. Because mm-hmm. his he's the first one to say that Lovecraft's one of his biggest influences. And like like there's a couple like books. I know one recently was uh uh revival, I think, where a character like has an hallucination. It's into like this alien beings, evil entities world that they see. And it's like these like nameless, featureless creatures like marching towards, you know, our reality. And it's kind of like with this, it's like you see this tentacle monster world or whatever the fuck it was, yeah. you know. <laughs> and with so keep on with like the Lovecraft. I don't know if any of our fans are familiar with what or if you're familiar with what SCPs are, Ross. <laughs> Ross got up and walked away. <laughs> right, SCPs are like a it's a made up foundation on the internet. Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't. And a lot so there's like over it's uh secure something protect and okay. is what it stands for. And they're basically supposed to take anomalous entities and sort of stop them from hurting humankind and a lot of them are like lovecraftian in nature like one especially with the alpaca scene that reminded me of this it was called the flesh that hates which is basically a skin disease that uh if you get it you basically turn into just like a growth of like gelatinous flesh and you try to spread it to people and you try to uh basically assimilate those people into you (laughs) okay (laughs) it's it's all it's a weird online thing of like just like horror short stories and it's kind of cool but it and a lot of it takes uh as a lot of modern horror does take from hp lovecraft yeah i mean and we talked about i think it was the uh disney episode where we talked about um lovecraft's cat you know it's don't google that at work with the safe search off you know it's but it's it's yeah he mean the man himself was a horrifying racist as well as one of the greatest horror writers of all time so it's like you got to separate the work from the man because you know it's kind of like r kelly michael jackson like all these other you know people where it's like yes they they've significantly contributed to our culture but it's like they also kind of contributed really negatively as well you know but when it comes to influencing horror and like especially horror and a lot of sci-fi too but mostly horror it's definitely everyone owes a debt to lovecraft you know yeah in terms of in terms of horror maybe poe edgar Allan poe might be the only person that is more influential than lovecraft Right, right. And I mean, obviously, now we say Stephen King, like him, too. Yeah. But, you know, he does trace back to Lovecraft. But even, like, Batman owes a, owes a debt to Lovecraft because Arkham is a direct reference to Lovecraft. Oh, Game of Thrones is also... Um, have you ever read one of the world books in for Game of Thrones? Basically, every city in Essos is named after Lovecraft in... Yeah, like, one is actually Ryla, I think, you yeah. know, <laughs> where it's, like, you know, the ancient world of uh, the demons. <laughs> the yeah, and, um, God, why I, I love the war in Game of Thrones, and I don't know why I'm, like, blanking on a lot of the city names. Uh, but... I don't know. You're, you're probably thinking of King's Landing. Yeah, yeah, King's Landing. <laughs> the wall. <laughs> but I think Major there's, like, Cath- big, uh, I think there's Cathar, there's... <laughs> All those names that start off with, it's like 
two letters yeah. apostrophe <laughs> yeah and they never are pronounced the way they look no. <laughs> it's like because like Ryla, we're probably saying like horribly wrong but it's like that's just how it looks you know that's how like a normal person would try to pronounce it like sorry i can't go back to whatever 18 19 whatever to talk to a good old herman whatever. <laughs> i've heard some people pronounce it like rayleigh just like rayleigh north carolina <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Raleigh. <laughs> it's you know where Cthulhu is from, North Carolina. Yeah, he's from Raleigh. Yeah, sorry, I can't. Uh, I can't go talk with uh, Howard Philip Lovecraft, you know, and ask him how to pronounce half the garbage that he uh, threw in his stuff. Like Cthulhu it was like, is that the actual way to pronounce Cthulhu? You know, or is it some other crazy shit? But speaking of pronouncing things in this movie, Nick Cage, and I know it. It was on purpose. He slips into his vampire's kiss accent. <laughs> yes, because uh, Richard Stanley's favorite character from Nicolas Cage was Vampire's Kiss, and he asked him to channel that character here. And boy, does he. It is so good. And it's fantastic. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, so every time Cage kind of like slips into his being like corrupted personality, that's the voice he uses that that A, B, C, D, E, like that. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Like, it's all that accent. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite Nicolas Cage scenes in this. So he's going to put the mom and son who are now fused together out of their misery. Yep. And he goes downstairs and he's the, he finds a daughter and he's like, he's like, he starts off angry, like calms himself down. He's like, all right, all right. Come on, just come with me. And he locks her up in the attic to let the mom eat her. Yep, to feed her, basically. <laughs> yeah, because now they've turned into like this crazy like spider creature kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, cage in this. There's so much, there's some good ridiculous cage in this too. Like he's he's chopping tomatoes at one point, and like he just starts to freak out. And like starts throwing him in the trash and just going insane because it's like there's well, like he was all excited. Yeah, they were all he was all excited because they came in really big in a month before schedule, but he keeps trying them and they're rotten. Yeah, they're terrible. So he just keeps throwing them out, and it's just one after the other after the yeah. other. And then he goes to start the car and he has this freak out because the car won't start. <laughs> but he does have my favorite line of the movie after that, where he goes, The um the car isn't happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like that's such a good. He just delivered it so well. It's like that's just a perfect Nick Cage line. <laughs> I also love drink. I'm having one. <laughs> right, drink. I'm having one. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and of course he's hallucinating like the family sitting next to him and like all this crazy shit. But um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, oh, what was it? The, and then right after drink, I'm having one. And then it's um, they're not my family. That's that's another line that he has. I also, I also love is this thing radioactive? Christ, I hope not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then like I'm looking at my notes here. It's like there's two things. For one, the sheriff of the town gets eaten by a tree. So we're looking at Evil Dead again. That's another uh Evil Dead, aka you know, Lord of the Rings type reference thing, whatever, but it's probably more Evil Dead. Evil Dead, yeah. <laughs> but um then of course. There's the whole situation of Nick Cage, like we mentioned last week, has said when asked the question, why do you act the way you do sometimes in your movies? 
And he said, I'm acting like an, I'm a normal person in a weird situation. That's how a normal person would react in this situation. I believe that is incorrect for this movie because once shit starts fusing together, you just kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Just kill everyone. You know, <laughs> Kill your daughter who's like carving herself up with satanic runes and shit. You know? <laughs> Which, I mean, she's so she's doing these rituals out of the ne- Necronomicon. So this whole thing might be her fault. <laughs> Oh, I bet it is. Because, yeah, in the very beginning of the movie, she's doing this, like, Wiccan ceremony or whatever to, um, to like, summon something to get her away from there or something like that. Now, the beginning of the movie, she's trying to get rid of her mom's cancer. Oh, that's what it was. I thought Halfway through, or not half, whatever, middle of the movie, she does another one to get her away from there. Oh, that's right, right, right. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I saw the line where it's like, Levina, like, what are you going to do? And Nicholas Cage goes, handle it. And she's like, like you handle the alpacas. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I'm going to shoot everyone in the head. <laughs> and then myself. I'm ending this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so the whole thing is like, once you drink the water, you kind of become part of the entity. Mm-hmm. So I just. That's one way you could look at it when, like, Nicolas Cage is just, like, sitting hallucinating his family. His family is all part of the entity, so the entity's present, so maybe he's not hallucinating. Maybe he's just, like... Maybe he's actually seeing them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this... And this movie is available on Shudder. Same with Mandy. But, like, yeah, it's... It's so... It's so goddamn weird, but Mm -hmm. it's really good. You in know? terms of uh, Lovecraftian like movies, this is easily the best I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of like others. It just isn't happening. They, it's almost like Stephen King. Like good adaptations of Lovecraft books just yeah. don't really happen usually. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, when I say Lovecraftian adaptations, I mean actual adaptations of his work, not movies that reference his work, like Evil Dead or. Yeah. Whatever. Or, you know, like the four Metallica songs that are about Lovecraft or, you know. But, like, yeah, it's like, you know, that's, that's really the only thing I think of, like, with Lovecraft. For some reason, I can't think of any, you know, of his movie, anything that was, um, well, then, of course, there's, you know, South Park. Yeah. Cthulhu at one point. <laughs> Cartman. <laughs> Cartman is best friends with Cthulhu. Right. <laughs> right. And he sends okay. all his friends to the, the city. Right. Oh, well, Reanimator is one of his. That's right. And um, yeah. So then, of course, you got, you know, the thing and all that, you know. So, like, or of course, mentioning most of the ones, we've already mentioned most of the ones. Then there's From Beyond, which I haven't seen in forever. But um, yeah, it's. It's, it's is one the of the thing. Is the thing originally a Lovecraft story? I didn't think so. It's very much. Based off Lovecraft work. Based off of his stuff, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't. But um, I also wouldn't be shocked if it was. But um, yeah, it's. I'm trying. I'm just quick trying to look it up now. But yeah, there's so much. Uh, no, it's off. It's somebody else's novella, but there's very much. It's part of the Lovecraftian mythos. It's you know, all kinds of because like the the Cthulhu mythos and the Lovecraftian mythos expands to other like other authors sort of continue it after Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, as far as this movie is concerned, it's really just a matter of like 
just watch it. Like, I feel like you got to get on the same level Tommy Chong was in this movie to properly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to get a little bit of something in you, and then uh, trip out while watching it. But yeah, it's. Well, I, I didn't even have a beer in me when I was watching this. <laughs> no, I was stone sober watching this in the middle of the day. <laughs> but um, I feel like it would have been more enjoyable. <laughs> It definitely would have uh, elevated some shit, but yeah, it's it's really it's just really like and Cage's performance is like perfect for the actual role. Yeah, there isn't really like aside from like the tomato scene in the car scene, but it's like if you're being taken over by an entity that's making you crazy, that's how you're gonna fucking act, you know? It's <laughs> it's not like um, it's not like Con Air, you know, where he's this got this weird southern draw. He's just trying to get home to his daughter, and then he's like suddenly a completely insane action hero you know yeah. it's like it's nothing really out of the ordinary for the character you know but it really matches their performance yeah no i really enjoyed this movie this week's cage match at the end of the week is going to be much more difficult than last week's <laughs> oh absolutely but um <clears throat> so we could probably move on to our final uh Final movie of the night. So, Mike, when we do a final beer check-in, you, uh, you doing all right over there? Yeah, I'm about halfway through my second can. I'm enjoying this. It's, and I really like the taste of it. Uh, something, like, it, there's something that's a little bit different from a normal ale, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> God, excuse me. Yeah. It's, um, my Devil's Reach is really good, too. And it's a really good Belgian-style ale. Um, I'm about halfway through my second one and that's uh, probably just about the right level to be at when we discuss the next movie we're going to discuss which is 2018's Mandy now this movie is absolutely bonkers bonkers this movie is fucking insane and it's also directed by a man with a fucking insane name panos cosmatos <laughs> and it's only directed one other feature length film and i kind of got to watch it <laughs> like i want to see it yeah yeah absolutely i mean because this dude's got like there is this movie is amazing and i think it's really awesome and really fucking weird but there there is part of this movie when you're watching it you could play this movie at about a one and a half times the speed and it would be the same movie like it did it does drag out a bit at times yeah. where he's getting really arty with it and it's like i get it dude you're an indie filmmaker you you think you're creating this grand statement but at some point you got to rein yourself in you know <laughs> and now i do think the first part where it's like showing uh showing red and mandy together is like i think that was a good stab like some people might think it's slow to start, but I thought that was actually, I thought it was more about establishing the atmosphere of the film because the atmosphere and the visuals are definitely more important than any dialogue or anything that happens in this film. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I agree with you. That part's fine, but it's, there's a lot of parts later where it's just like long stretches of like red or purple scenery. And it's like, yeah. I get it, dude. It's like, you're not David Lynch. This isn't Twin Peaks, you know? It's like, you could probably speed this up a bit. No, this was definitely, like, the visuals in this were definitely an homage to, like, 70s and 80s metal with, like, you get the seat, like, there's, like, a wizard in the, uh, like, the heavy metal sort of uh, 
sort of look like the oh, yeah. cartoon heavy metal is well, what I mean. literally at one point the band slipknot shows up yeah <laughs> you know these four demons or whatever look exactly like slipknot <laughs> yeah what's the so no they're not demons they're, they're whatever the fuck they're, they they're humans that constantly do a insane amount of concentrated super lsd that yeah. has converted them into something not totally human so mutants <laughs> yeah mutants oh, mutants yeah. is probably a good word <laughs> they're mutants but yeah they but they are literally dressed like slipknot at one point one of them's wearing the knife dildo strap on from seven yeah <laughs> and it's and they all talk with like that super modulated like voice and all that it's like what the fuck blood am i watching <laughs> yeah, it's like what the fuck am i watching right now but yeah and then were, of course, they, were they called like the black skull or something yeah, I forget. I completely forget what they were. It's just like when you're watching this movie, like this is the second time I've seen it. Like you're watching this, you go, What the fuck am I watching? Like more often than not. And yeah, especially that's a- after Mandy makes her grand exit from the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. The title screen does not pop up till halfway through the movie. 75 minutes. <laughs> 75 minutes into this movie is when you finally see Mandy. And, of course, it spreads out like a death metal, like black yeah. metal, like band logo. And to be virtually irrecognizable, unrecognizable. But, um, yeah, it's... And, of course, did you catch his... um? Did you catch uh, Nick Cage's knock-knock joke at the beginning? No. Knock-knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada from Chips. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's the knock-knock joke he tells Mandy. <laughs> so, but for 75 minutes into this movie, an hour and 15 minutes in, you get the title card. This movie's two hours and one minute long. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, you get like two other title cards before that, before you even get Mandy's title card. You yeah. Like uh whatever like the uh the cult is. It's like the the whatever the fuck the cult was. Black skulls, I think they're called. Yeah. No, no, no like the cult, the actual cult. Oh, the actual cult. Yeah, no, not the not the demon bikers, but um the actual like cult. <laughs> that are led by a former folk singing guy that is it's basically the Manson family is what yeah, they're going for. Yeah, they're, they're but played by Thomas Wayne from Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, this movie is just fucking the, weird. <laughs> yeah, the bathroom scene in it. That is peak ridiculous cage. Right. It's there. amazing. It's, it's so amazing. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? And it's everything you want from a crazy ass Nicolas Cage freak out. But the the most ironic thing is, this is probably the only time in his entire career that he's had his freak out and it's been completely justified. Because and like works perfectly in terms of the movie. He just watched his wife get burned to ash in a sleeping bag in front of him. <laughs> so yeah, maybe freak the fuck out a little bit. And he's also doing it in tidy whiteies. Yes. yes. <laughs> in in a like baseball, like you know, old school 70s, like baseball style, like long sleeve shirt with tidy whiteies on. <laughs> And like the like the wallpaper of the bathroom is like the shining's carpet. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like 
had this movie, it's start to finish. It's a fucking trip. It's nuts. It really is. And the best part is like we didn't even get to the chainsaw fight. We didn't get to exactly. the chainsaw fight yet. Exactly. We didn't even, and we also didn't get to the episode of Forged in Fire that happens when he makes his own fucking knife sword thingy X or oh, whatever. That wouldn't work. I'm just saying the way you do like melting a metal melting metal and pouring it into like a like a cast. That's not how you make a good sword. That would that sword would not hold up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I said, it's gonna fail Forged in Fire. It will not kill. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> Yeah, this god, this this movie, like the beginning of it is your standard like slow build horror movie. And it's like this couple's in the middle of the woods, they're they're getting along great, shit's going cool. And then all of a sudden these these outsiders show up and these outsiders bring trouble. And yeah, it's a uh, and the cult leader sees Mandy and he's like, Well, I gotta have her. Yeah, and Jeremiah then they give her sand, I think. <laughs> Yeah, Jeremiah Sand. And they give her, when they actually get her, they pump her eyes full of LSD, and then they have her get stung by a giant wasp. Yeah, and, and it's, we say his eyes, it's literally injected into her eyes. You know? <laughs> and, and then and then Jeremiah Sand, he's like, all right, it's time for us to have sex. And he disrobes, and she just starts laughing at his dick, yep. and then gets burned alive for doing that. Like, for a while, she's laughing at his dick, yeah. too. And it's... It's yeah, and then of course, you know, Nicolas Cage this whole time has been like tied up with barbed wire and he's watching her burn alive in front of him, and then they leave, he breaks free. And of course, like you would do, you go and you you see Bill Duke in a trailer and you get your weapons and then you go on a killing spree. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go see uh the chemist. (laughs) Richard Brake plays the chemist. Yep. Richard I Blake. love what Nicholas Cage just he, he tries a little bit of or he tries a little bit of the super acid and he just instantly goes like face melting like yeah. layers of the lost ark and <laughs> yeah is that that's the scene where he's like and is that the same scene where he's riding in the car with the blood all over his face and he's no. like he's like he's like grinning at the camera <laughs> no that's towards the end of the movie this that's is, right that's right that's right it is yeah no this was like i forget if this was right when he meets the chemist or right after he kills the bikers i think right after the kill, he kills the bikers he just there's like a piece of broken glass covered in cocaine and what does nicholas cage do picks it up and snorts that shit <laughs> right right yeah because the guy with the uh the seven strip the the strap on from the movie seven is like doing nothing but just like biker crank you know that's all he's doing (laughs) but oh yeah this so fucking crazy and the practical gore in it is awesome yeah oh yeah yo there's blood everywhere in this movie everywhere like it's very reminiscent of like a 70s or 80s horror movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a definite like B-movie horror movie, you know. It's yeah. blood everywhere. It's just a revenge tale. There's some out of insane revenge and it's absolutely nuts. And it's also one of those classic movies where it's like you're almost getting two separate movies. Like you get the first 75 minutes where it leads up to the revenge story and then you get the last couple minutes where the last couple minutes like the last 45 minutes where it is the revenge story it it absolutely is the revenge and that's yeah that whole that whole ending to that movie like that whole revenge trip is 
it's just like it's nuts it's and like i said there is a chainsaw fight at one point between nicholas cage and one of these dudes the dude has like the long blade chainsaw for like that loggers use and then cage is like a shorter regular chainsaw that won't start <laughs> you know and then after he loses his chainsaw cage grabs a fucking chain rat gets it around the guy and pulls him onto it the guy like the chainsaw the guy is carrying yeah yeah it's pretty wild it is so goddamn wild. and then you get the best head crush scene since game of thrones season four episode seven or episode yeah, eight. of course you know of course and that's the thing it's like Nick Cage is not shown to be like superhuman. He's just crushing a man's skull, you know. But, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is no half for half for Julius Jurgensen. <laughs> yeah, he's not the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's and then of course you know before that he throws and he's got a great axe to the head kill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great axe to the head kill. And then he shows up and like the older woman is like begging him to let her be his sexual partner. And then you get that answer real quick when he walks into the uh, head of the cult and just sort of tosses her head at him. He lobs it at her, yeah. It's uh, uh, so good. And then, of course, there's Nick Cage. The biggest, the best Nick Cage line of this is, you ripped my shirt. You ripped my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> He's just screaming, you ripped my shirt, like, the whole time. <laughs> And oh, it's his favorite shirt. It's his favorite shirt. Right. In this movie, he's only got like 10 lines. Mm-hmm. He barely has any lines in this movie because it's it's the only the person, like really the only person with real lines is like is the cult leader, is Jeremiah saying. Like because he's yeah. got that like whole speech that he kind of gives Mandy. And that's about oh, there's also a random tiger on LSD in this. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like but yeah, every- not, not an LSD hallucina- hallucination of a tiger. There is a tiger who the chemist tests LSD on. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is PETA's favorite movie of 2019. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's or 2018. I but it's yeah, this this movie and like just the visuals and like the the everything about this movie is just like haunting. And it's like it's just kind of perfect for the whole atmosphere of the movie. And Cage is so good in this movie because he's really like, it's the one time he's playing like a normal dude put in a fucked up situation who has to react accordingly. And he does, you know? (laughs) And then, and then you get a, you get his line where like, obviously Jeremiah Sand thinks he's like a God. Yeah, and, of course. He's called leader, of course. And he just goes, he's like, "You're just meat without a soul, without a brain, without anything. Animal. You have you have no spirit, everlasting. No no radiant light." And then you have Cage. You like Cage is gonna fuck him up in a second. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. He's walking up. He's like, "I'm God now." <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. It's pretty insane. And one of the things about, you know, because we chose this week this week for like the under like the underrated weird shit that cat like uh, Cage has done, or underrated and or weird shit. Like I also told Mike to watch this movie Mom and Dad from 2017. And it's available on Hulu. You can watch it on there. And it's got the same premise as this Stephen King uh, novel called Cell. 
where like there's this trend us like this like uh, cell transmission that people go that when you're holding yourself and you're on it whatever you hear it you go insane you, it's like a rage virus kind of thing but with this movie it's nick cage and selma blair are husband and wife and they have these these two kids and one of which is a teenage girl in a kind of private school and the other is just this like younger boy and there's this like the all the tvs go staticky and in the static there's apparently some message that is trans like uh, some signal or whatever that's um, transmitted and all the parents try to kill their own children and so nicholas cage and selma blair try to kill their kids in this and it's it's such a weird movie to start it's like perfectly normal to start it's like okay but then when Nicolas Cage finally does kind of come back to the movie, like we're reintroduced to him falling asleep at work watching Pornhub, you know? <laughs> Nicolas Cage has some great lines in that movie. Right. And he right, looks, wait, he's up. like, dildos in ass, ass to ass. Nope. He loses <laughs> his fucking mind in it. At one point he breaks, he goes ape shit on a pool table because Selma Blair may have said, why do we need a pool table? <laughs> you know, And he just kind of loses his fucking mind on it. But it has nothing to do with like the rage signal that was transmitted or whatever. But it's, it's just a really like kind of <laughs> insane fucked up cage like performance. I love, it's in a flashback where they show him just smashing something with a sledgehammer, screaming the hokey pokey. Like this yeah. is not even rage induced Nicolas Cage via radio right. signal. This is just him screaming the hokey pokey, smashing something. Yeah, this is just him having like, He's having like, you know, kind of like a midlife crisis because he's remembering that he was like, you know, the rock star with like the the Firebird car and like all that in like high school. And he was just fight. like, there's one scene where it's like, he's banging his like girlfriend in the front seat while they're doing like figure eights in a parking lot. And he's like, he's remembering that that's not him anymore. He's a corporate job and he's not listening to the misfits all the time or whatever. And it's like, it's like, okay. And then that's completely separate from the fact that now he's like, against his will well not really against the way he's like being like brainwashed to kill his own child yeah that's the part where you think he'd be insane <laughs> but it's it's not <laughs> oh i forgot to, to go back to mandy for a second i forgot about my favorite scene when he's talking to bill duke and he bill duke's like he's like you're gonna die if you go after him and nick cage just goes don't be negative <laughs> <laughs> bill duke actually looking you know because i've seen bill duke in a couple other things recently he's like oh man he doesn't look good he looks really good in Mandy. <laughs> Doesn't quite look like um like he did in Predator, but he still he looks pretty good. I mean, to be expected, forty years later, thirty years later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, it's Mandy is oh boy. Mandy's one of those movies where it's like, oh Nick Cage, demon cult, you know, crazy LSD biker. It's just like, well, that's got to end well. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like that's gonna be great. That's a great combination. <laughs> And then you also get a lot of heavy metal, like 80s heavy metal scenery, like col the coloring is awesome. It's Yeah, and like the soundtrack, there's like, well, Mandy at one point is wearing a Black Sabbath t-shirt and there is a very like heavy metal vibe, like you said to it, but there is also just like the soundtrack to it is kind of like Suspiria with Goblin. Yeah. Like it's just this like weird prog metal band that kind of made that like did this like score and it's a weird it's not quite metal but it's not quite just an orchestral score it's like it's something different and it's really good 
and it fits the tone of the movie absolutely perfectly. Oh, I forgot about Cheddar Goblin. All right, the fucking Cheddar Goblin. (laughs) (laughs) Cheddar Goblin is a commercial. Randomly watching a commercial, and there's a goblin that's got twice the cheddar of the competitors, and he comes out and he's puking mac and cheese on kids. Right. It's like, (laughs) what are we doing? (laughs) It's it's one again, like it's that movie where it's like every couple minutes you're like, what the fuck am I watching? (laughs) What am I doing here? But yeah, you can't stop watching because it's just so like engrossing and. What's her name? Like the the woman that plays Mandy, she's this British girl who's got this very distinct look. She's got like a very haunted look to her. And her name's uh, Andrea Riseborough. And she's almost absolutely perfectly cast because she just has this look of like, that's just so perfect for the movie itself. Yeah. And if you look at her picture on IMDb, you go, oh, wow, she's just a very good looking British woman. And it's like you see her in Mandy. It's like, oh, oh, okay, this is different. <laughs> you know, this is a, a woman in a completely insane cult movie. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> and of course, then there's Nick Cage. It's just you know, Nick Cage with a beard. <laughs> oh, and the quote from uh, Mom and Dad that I was on that is like, now the world you kids are living in, the things you see on the internet, mouth to dildo, dildo to ass, ass to ass. Hi, Brent, anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> God, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> Even like Selma Blair, like Selma Blair is like really good in it too. And I haven't seen her now, not much recently. I know she's uh, she's got some sort of medical issue, but um, I know like that's one. I was like, welcome. I was like, hey, Selma Blair, I enjoy her and things. <laughs> also, I love the line where he's like, it's a sawzall. You know what that means? It saws all. It saws all. Yeah, the saws on their kind of like sawing their doors and shit. Yeah. But I think my favorite part of that is like where the parents are trying to get into the school and like they're you see the kids running away on the football field and the one dad just bags the one kid and then you see another dad come out of nowhere and full on NFL truck his. Yeah, it's like it's like Larry Tate line like like office linebacker whatever he just nails this dude. <laughs> it's like when uh Frank the Tank tackles Spanish in old school into the fountain. Yeah, yeah. The nowhere. <laughs> now like so bizarre awesome movies. Uh Mandy and Color Out of Space are very bizarre, but they're both awesome movies. They're really Mom good. and Dad is an objectively not good movie, but yeah, it's, it's so bizarre that it's enjoyable. It's 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 got a the thing is, it's got an interesting concept that they don't go far enough with. Yeah. You know, it's they're no, I love the, when the grandparents show up. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good old Lance Hendrickson out of nowhere. But it's like, because you forget, it's like, oh, right. Grandparents would be trying to kill their kids too. And that would be like, the parents are now in danger. But it's, yeah, there's there's so much about, like that movie just didn't go far enough. Like it should have been a super hard R. We're talking like kids getting murdered in crazy ways on screen. You know, they should have gone that extra way, like purge level violence with this, you know? But they, they did kind of hold back, I think. And I think it's to the, obviously to the detriment of the movie, but- you know, it's it's a good underrated <laughs> cage, but like, what the fuck are you watching? There's, there's some like when the doorbell rings, and he's like, and uh, she's like, your parents, and he goes, I forgot that was today. <laughs> right, you're supposed to have dinner with them or something. Yeah, because uh, that was that's the other thing. Like, if it's not their kids, then they act totally normal. Yeah, like if they're yeah. calling to yeah, someone that's not their kids, it's their like, own kids that they want to kill. Yeah, yeah. 
Because like uh, you see the one dad walk out of the house with a bloody baseball bat, and he just like looks at him, gives him a, he gets a mail, gives him a little wave. Yep. <laughs> he's like whistling as he walks away with the bat, the bloody bat. But uh, okay, and then the housekeeper that they uh they find they find her kid stuffed in the, the garbage can or something like that. Yeah. Of course, none of this do you see, so it's like, come on, you could have gone that extra mile. And Dr. Oz shows up for a little bit. What's that? Dr. Oz shows up. Oh, yeah, fucking Dr. Oz. Yeah, that guy, that fucking quack. You know, here's here's $1,000 to say you're bullshit. And I'm surprised Dr. Oz even took a paycheck. He's like, well, we were just going to say this nonsense on my television show, so why don't you just use that clip? Also, the scene, where, the scene where he's talking to the kid about the car, he's like, it's a real pussy magnet. Sorry, chick magnet. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, fun. he's like, if you, he's like, but if you ever touch it again, I'll kill you. <laughs> and like, he's like smiling. The kid's laughing. And then he gets serious, and the he's kid's like, like oh shit. <laughs> well, that's because the kid was like, what was it like, a fucking dead bird or like a squirrel or something, like in the back seat, you know. <laughs> It's like in a it was like in a shoebox or something. You can just put like a dead animal in the back seat. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and what the, the scene with Nicolas Cage just sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's God. Yeah, like I said, it's on Hulu. You should definitely watch it. It's worth it. I mean, time. next to like like that movie was fucking a wild experience. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But then like you look at something like Mandy, where it's like, this is a beginning to end filmmaker who knows what he wants to put on screen yeah you know and it's like you're looking at this dude's vision right here and color out of space is very similar it's like this guy knows what he wants to show you on screen he's not just trying to fit into some sort of mold somewhere whereas like with lord of war you get more of a straightforward Mm -hmm. uh sarcastic serious story i guess i'll call it and you get, but you do get the real elements to it. But at the same time, it's just like a regular movie. So, I so to go with the whole underrated aspect, so go over like what each of these movies cost and what they brought in. So, Lord of War, I think, had the biggest budget of fifty million, and worldwide gross brought in seventy-two million, which is not exactly a great number, which is lends credence to it being underrated, only making twenty or. 12 million 22 yeah. million 22 million yeah it's but that, and I, I know mandy and colorado space were very we're almost like straight to streaming yeah. colorado space was an estimated six million dollar budget and grossed one million yeah and mandy i think is a very similar number to that i, I think it might be the same exact budget yeah, six million estimated, and there's no real. Uh, it looks like it grossed about one point five million. Yeah, and they're they're both like Mandy and Colorado Space are both labeled as Shutter exclusives. So once you get that label, like a Amazon Prime Original or a yeah. Netflix merger, like your your theater blockbuster or like your uh, your your theater profits are obviously going to be very low yeah because that's not what and they were also six million dollar budget movies that didn't have like a wide release or a big marketing campaign or anything like that i'm willing to bet three million of that went to nick cage you know it's like he's not he's not taking pay cuts so um bruce wayne's dad can be in a movie you know yeah yeah (laughs) 
but it's also you know he he's also now in between Mandy and present day Nick Cage. I want to say he's done something like thirty five movies. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's done, and it's been three years since Mandy came out. <laughs> no, Mandy has a nine. Mandy has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's very highly critical. 81% on Metacritic. I was talking to one of my roommates today. He's like, my friends watched it. Uh, one thinks he's, it's an underrated classic. One thinks it was entertaining, but was overall a garbage movie. <laughs> All right. So in between Mandy and present day, which is Willie's Wonderland, how many movies has Nick Cage done, Mike? Now, I'm talking... I'm- just any movie, voice credits, whatever you want to go with. 17. Well, 14, 15, 15. Close, damn it. <laughs> I had the number, then I forgot it real quick. So I did a really quick kind of again. I was but close. The, yeah, so we got, okay, here's the order. We got Mandy, 2018. Also in 2018, we got whatever looking glass is. We have whatever 211 is. We have Teen Titans go to the movies where he plays Superman. We have Between Worlds, whatever that is. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And then that's the last one of Spider-Man of 2018. So that's like one, two, three, four, five. That's six movies in one year. And then 2019, Score to Settle, Color Out of Space, Running with the Devil, Kill Chain, Primal, Grand Isle. That's like another six right there. And then, of course, 2020, we got Jiu-Jitsu, The Crudes, The New Age, Prisoners of the Ghostland, and 2021, which is Wiley's Wonderland, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yeah. It's like this dude's doing anything he possibly can. And like six movies a year, two of which are worth watching, you know? <laughs> I was on, so like Mandy and Color Out of Space are uh... – so Colorado Space scored just lower than Mandy on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and uh, Metacritic. And then Lord of War got the lowest, still pretty serviceable scores, but like I think Lord of War was like a 65 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 67 on Metacritic or something. Okay, now you've mentioned Lord of War. So why don't we look at the run that he has from National Treasure, which we'll talk about next week. He has National Treasure and Lord of War back-to-back. And then we got the Weatherman, the Ant Bully, World Trade Center, Wicker Man, Ghost Rider, and then he was in the uh, those that um, he was in Grindhouse because he was in the Werewolf Women of the SS segment. Yeah. And then we have Next, which is the movie where like he can see things like three minutes in the future or some yeah. shit. And then we got National Treasure Book of Secrets, Bangkok Dangerous, Knowing. G-Force, which is something about guinea pigs and shit. Yeah. And then we have Bad Lieutenant Portacol New Orleans, which is a phenomenal, terrible movie. Astro Boy, Kick-Ass, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Season of the Witch, Drive Angry, Seeking Justice, Trespass, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, Stolen, Frozen Ground, Crudes, Joe, Rage, Outcast, Left Behind, Dying of the Light, Runner, Pay the Ghost, which is terrible. The Trust, Dog Eat Dog, Snowden, Indianapolis, Men of Courage, Army of One, Arsenal, Vengeance, A Love Story, Inconceivable, Mom and Dad, Humanity Borough, Dark, and then Mandy. <laughs> He's got a run there of so many movies, <laughs> of like of which I'd say maybe 
a third of them are worth watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Lord of War and National Treasure were definitely like the movies in that stretch that are. Of that, I'd put, okay, Lord of War, I'd say both National Treasures. The first one, obviously, more so than this second. Uh, you get Ed Harris in the second one. It's going to be an entertaining movie. Yeah. Then, of course, Wicker Man for his performance alone. Uh, Ghost Rider is okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Um, obviously, next, if from what I remember, is not great. But National Treasure Book of Secrets, okay. Bangkok Dangerous, I remember watching that and thinking, this is completely insane. But it's one of those, like, insane it's bad. entertaining it's not bad like it's bad but it's entertaining right knowing's awful we mentioned that g-force i don't even want to know what the hell this guinea pig movie is bad lieutenant portico new orleans i will say is terrible but it's amazing and how bad it is um astro boy no idea kick-ass is fine i'm fine with kick-ass it's i like kick-ass yeah but sources apprentice never seen season of the witch is awful drive angry is just weird uh, seeking Justice, no idea. Trespass, Ghostbusters, Spirit of Vengeance, terrible. Stolen. Not, none of these other movies do I even kind of know what the fuck is going on with them. And it's like, because they're all straight to video. And of course, on I... Astro Boy was like, fine. I think I... I saw it very, like, kind of soon after it came out. Like, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it, like... Yeah. But, uh, I think it was fine. I... It wasn't, it wasn't like, atrocious or anything. Yeah, but like none of these movies are you looking at and saying these are underrated gems of yeah. like weird ass movies. These are just like paid, these are paycheck movies. And the three that we talked about tonight. So now we'll get into it. Cage match time. Who wins this one? Mandy, Colorado Space, or Lord of War? This is a much closer fight than last week. Because last week, Vampire's Kiss was, was playing on another league from its competition. Far and away. <laughs> Different sport altogether. Now, this one, I think all three of these movies are good. I think, uh, so, the hardest to compare is Lord of War to the other two, because it totally different audience. Like, if, in terms of an average moviegoer, Lord of War would be the movie they like best this week. But Mandy's the best movie of the week. Yeah. I feel like I got to go with that. Yeah, it's either that or Colorado Space. Um, Lord of War, I really enjoyed. I really did enjoy it. But, like, if I'm if you're going to make me watch another movie, I've actually, now that I'm thinking about it, no, I'm going to go with Lord of the War. Lord of War. Because I love Mandy. Mandy's fucking insane, but it's really good. Colorado Space is kind of crazy, and it's really good. Lord of War, though, on the other hand, I think it's just a better overall nick cage performance so you you definitely get the best of like a toned down kind of nick cage like this is nick cage acting serious yeah and we'll kind of get into that when it comes to the national treasures and we'll get into that sort of in the best of the best week the last Mm -hmm. week because i feel like i love my over-the-top nicholas cage i especially love older well younger nick cage older movie i guess i'll say yeah, it's early shit. When you get insane early, young Cage, that's sweet spot Nick Cage right there. That is absolutely sweet spot. His recent weird shit is more like that period of an actor's like career where they're like, you know what? I've won my Oscar. I've done my crazy shit. I've done my blockbusters. And now I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do. And he's picked some decent ones recently. But of course, he's done fourteen other insane ones. You know? <laughs> now, the, again, the scene that separates Mandy for me is the bathroom scene because I yeah. think that freak out is at, like 
it's so warranted it's so well done and it's yeah. so well shot that that is that scene alone i was like this movie's awesome yeah and like i i agree with you it's pretty great but like i'll also point to and you'll hear at the beginning of this episode i'll point to the first meeting with baptiste in lord of war yeah because that is like cage knows he could die at any second with this guy mm-hmm. if he says the wrong thing but then when he does freak out like oh my god what'd you do and you expect this dude to be like well you're gonna say i shouldn't have killed somebody and then he, that's not the direction he goes in he goes with the now i can't sell a used gun you know yeah like, oh, okay <laughs> it's like we really get the whole character in that line right there you know yeah that's true <laughs> but so that's what i would go with obviously we don't have to agree because we both agree on some sort of level. Without yeah, we, I mean, we both agree that these movies are great. We, we're, It's just which one do we think wins? <laughs> All right, so we got Vampire's Kiss last week. We're, I'll, I'll say for the sake of argument, because we're going to do one of each, I'll go with Mandy for this one. I'll give you Mandy because at the end of this, we're going to put them all against each other. So Vampire's Kiss and Mandy are the two that we're going with off the bat for these two. Yeah so maybe we should do like a whole march madness like in the, the theme of the <laughs> month we should do a march madness seating of all the, of all the nick cage movies we talked about including the etc right well <laughs> we could fill out a 64 team bracket with nick cage <laughs> and break it down to one and we would have to cut out like 64 other movies <laughs> <make it. laughs> keep it the six we'll keep the 16 to make it an even tournament level <laughs> right yeah it's a sweet 16 going forward. But, um, <laughs> so next week we're going to be talking about, we're going to get back to some normal family friendly stuff. We're going to get to up uh, at blockbusters. So we're going to be talking about the Nicholas, we're talking about uh, national treasures, uh, both of them. And then we're going to talk about some of the rando shit that we've seen more than likely yeah. stuff that people have actually seen too. Yeah. And I mean, it, it might be very much like Mandy where it's like one, one episode for the first, however long we talk about the national treasures and totally different story when we get into the etceteras <laughs> exactly and yeah so we're going to be talking more about eight millimeter we're going to definitely talk a bit more about zandali because mike has actually seen Zandley. yeah i watched it now but i figured we might need this episode is probably going to be long enough and we might need to add something to the national treasure length <laughs> oh yeah and zandali's a great way to add to that <laughs> so in the meantime mike where can people find us on the internet all right, so we are Happy Hour Films for your streaming pleasure on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere you stream your podcast from. <laughs> I like that, for your streaming pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow us on social media, we are Happy Hour Films Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a like, give us a follow uh message us comment we love talking to you guys yeah absolutely and um yeah so in the meantime your homework for next week is to watch uh nad the both the national treasure movies they are both on disney plus you can watch them for free if you have that that subscription um i would say literally watch anything else other than con air face off and the rock because we're going to be talking about them in two weeks so anything we've talked about previously or anything that you feel why like- sandily <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's again, it's on Tubi. Definitely watch Zandali. It's worth your time. It's absolutely insane. 
yet it's amazing. <laughs> and so, but we'll get more into that next week. So in the meantime, as always, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.